You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Hallelujah. Blessed be God. Open your Bibles very quickly to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm reading in the New King James translation of God's Word, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 to 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21. Let's rise up on the reading of God's Word as as a good custom in all house on the rock churches. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Here begin the reading of God's Word. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to him, and ha- to them, and has committed to us that same word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Somebody shout amen. amen. Somebody shout, I am the righteousness of God. This powerful portion of scripture is the entirety of the gospel. This is the gospel summarized so powerfully. In this this portion of scripture, he says that God has already reconciled us unto himself through Christ Jesus. Not that God is going to reconcile us, but that God has already done it. That at the point when Jesus was crucified, died, rose from the dead, that that was it. It was done. He has reconciled us, and now he has given unto you and I the same ministry of reconciliation to tell the world. What are we meant to tell the world? To tell the world that God is no longer angry with them. You know, the gospel we used to preach was about an angry God that wants to burn up every sinner. No, no, no. The gospel, the true gospel is that the price has already been paid. Our message is that you are already reconciled unto God through Christ Jesus, and what you need to do now is to accept it. In fact, in case you are not clear about what has been done, he clarifies when he says that God is no longer imputing. What does that mean? God is no longer keeping record of your sins. Did you hear me? You know how people keep record of your sins? You do something wrong and they keep record, and seven years later, you have an exchange. That's how you did this on this day, June 5, in 1975. He says that God is no longer keeping record of your sins. The record has been torn up. It's been burnt up. It's under the blood. Somebody shout amen. So our chief assignment is to rightly represent this message to the world, that he who knew no sin became sin, that we who knew no righteousness might become the righteousness of God. 
I like th that portion of scripture, so powerful. I read it again in the um, Passion Translation, uh, just verse 17, and it said this way. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Woo! Hallelujah. If you are in Christ, you are an entirely new person, a new creation. Everything is fresh and new. It's a divine reset. It's a new you. Hallelujah. And today, it's about the emergence of the new you. Help me tell, tell your neighbor, it's time for the emergence of the new you. There is more to you than meets the eye. The day you got born again, a new creation was created in your spirit. But it's now time for the unveiling of that new creation. If you believe me what I'm saying, come on, shout yeah! yeah. Father, speak like only you can. Bless us today with your word and bring great liberation and revelation. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the people said aloud, amen. amen. And then you may be seated in the presence of God's most high. Amen. Woo! Well, I've been pondering and meditating and saying, how am I going to approach this subject of baptism, if you like, on a day like this one? And I settled in on this thought. I'm going to speak to you from the story of two men. Uh, one of the men is in the Old Testament, the other is in the New Testament. Both men, their names start with the letter N. And because I have limited time, I'm not going to have you read the whole scriptures, but I'm going to give you the references so that you can go and read them later on your own time. So take note. John chapter 3, verse 1 to 8, we read the story of Nicodemus and Jesus when they had that interaction. Most of us know that story, such a profound story that many of us have heard about. Then also note 2 Kings and chapter 5, the whole chapter, 2 Kings and chapter 5, where we read the story of Naaman, the Syrian uh, general that had leprosy. Now, in John chapter 3, the story of Nicodemus is that Nicodemus came in the dead of night to see Jesus. He came in the cloak of darkness. He came hidden because he was a leader of his people. And at that point in time, the, 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 the priests and the leaders didn't really want to be associated with Jesus. So he came late in night. He was a secret disciple, if you like. So he, he came to see Jesus. Uh, he, uh, he was hiding in darkness, hiding his need for salvation. Uh, but we have an Old Testament Nicodemus in Naaman uh, because Naaman too uh, was, was hiding something, just like Nicodemus was hiding something. Uh, Naaman was a ruler of his people. He was great. He was honorable. Uh, like Nicodemus, Naaman, Naaman too was hiding something. What was Naaman hiding? Naaman was hiding his leprosy. The scripture says that Naaman, though he was a great honorable man who won many battles for his nation, under his armor, he was leprous. He hid his leprosy 
under his armor. He had the best of armor, but under the armor was leprosy. And as I started to think about that, you know, when you are wearing armor, nobody can see what's behind your armor. So if you encountered Naaman in public, if you encountered Naaman anywhere, you could not tell that he had leprosy because he had his armor on. His armor was hiding his ailment. And as I thought the more about it, I came to the conclusion that all of us have armor. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? All of us are, have armor. Now, now, what is the purpose of armor? The purpose of armor is to protect. Uh, you, you wear armor to protect yourself. Naaman was wearing armor to protect himself. And we too wear armor to protect ourselves. You know, some of us have gone through some challenging circumstances, maybe some trauma, maybe some abuse. And because of those experiences, we have gone to design armor for ourselves. We have put on armor to protect ourselves. It's like building walls to preserve yourself. But the same walls you build to protect yourself are the same walls that stop you from receiving healing. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? Because God does not anoint armor. God anoints what's behind the armor. So, so Naaman is wearing armor, uh, to, to hide his leprosy, just like we wear armor to hide what's going on behind. Uh, to many of us even wear our armor to sleep. No, 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 you don't hear me what I'm saying. Because the armor I'm talking about is not visible. It's not natural um, armor. It's, it's armor that's invisible. It's, it's, it's psychological armor that, that, that we wear. Um, you can be talking to somebody, and yet he's, he's clad with armor from top to bottom. You know, some of us are like Iron Man. Does anybody know Iron Man? <laughs> Hallelujah. Our armor has become high-tech. For those of you that know Iron Man, those of you that know Iron Man know that sometimes you don't see his armor, but once he sees a threat, he just presses one button, and what was a wristwatch just <laughs> like Transformer. And he's got his armor on to protect himself. So we are, we, we, we have this armor to preserve ourselves, to protect ourselves. Uh, in fact, a lot of us came to church even this Sunday morning wearing armor. Armor. Armor is that hard exterior that we present to the world. Armor says, all is well. It says, I've got it going on. I'm good. I'm accomplished. I've achieved it. I don't need anyone. I'm great. I'm fine. But underneath the armor, Naaman, was leprosy. Under the, underneath the facade of strength is weakness. Underneath the illusion of perfection is error. Underneath the, the image of cool, coolness, calmness, and collectedness is worry, anxiety, and fear. Underneath the picture of correctness is error. Underneath the claim of self-sufficiency is great needless. What is under your armor. Help me ask your neighbor, what's under your armor? What's under your armor? Somebody said, I don't have armor. Well, just like Naaman had leprosy, 
We all have leprosy. Somebody say, who? Me? No, I don't have leprosy. Leprosy in the Old Testament represents sin. And the New Testament says that he that says he's without sin lies. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's interesting that this leprosy did not regard the fact that Naaman was a leader. He was a general. He was a big man. He had resources. He had connections. Well known in society. But leprosy was no respecter of title, of status, of position. So is sin. No respecter of person. An ailment that ails all human beings. Sin. We've all got leprosy. And leprosy ultimately leads to death, such as sin ultimately leads to death. Naaman, despite all of his trappings of wealth and notoriety, knew that if his leprosy was not dealt with, it was going to kill him. And so he was seeking for a solution to his leprosy. No matter how well he dressed it up, he was still dying from it. So he's looking for a solution. His um, maidservant comes to him and said, there's a prophet in Israel who has the solution to your problem. If you go and visit him, he'll tell you what to do. The guy says, definitely, I'm going to do that. And we, we, the, the story is that Naaman goes, he goes and sees prophet Elisha, and uh, Elisha um, doesn't even come out to greet him. Elisha sends Gehazi, his servant, to Naaman and says, Naaman, um, the prophet already knows what your problem is. You just go to the River Jordan and bath in it seven times and you'll be cured of your leprosy. And Naaman was incensed. He was vexed. He was annoyed. Great man like me have come to you to heal me, to deliver me of this leprosy, and you tell me to go and bath in the dirty Jordan River, aren't there better, more pristine, beautiful rivers in Syria? And you're telling me to go and bath in Jordan? He was an incensed, and he started to storm off. But there's something about this, this Naaman guy. This Naaman guy is a wise guy, because even in his anger, he was still able to listen. Because one of his servants now came to him and said that, but master, if... The prophet that told you to climb a mountain to be healed, you would have climbed. If he had told you to do any great thing, you would have done it. Why is doing this simple thing such a big thing for you to do? And the man said, okay, if that be the case, let me go and do it. You see, this starts to tell us something that is extremely important for us to understand. You see, we think that salvation should be something hard. We think salvation is something that we have to work so hard to win, to grasp, to get. This is what that Naaman expected. I'm going to have to do something great to be healed of this leprosy. And meanwhile, God is saying that, no, 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 no. You don't have to do something great. It's something very simple you need to do. You need to accept. And so he goes, and you know the rest of the story. He washes in the water seven times. Um, seven uh, represented the number of perfection. And he comes out of the water, and the scripture describes that his skin was like that of a newborn. 
It was a new him that was emerging out of the water. Naaman's cleansing from leprosy was going to be by a simple act of baptism. In fact, just like you understand, the Old Testament are types and shadow of the New Testament. So what we are seeing in what happened to Naaman was pictorial of what will happen spiritually in the future. So we leave the Old Testament now and we come to the New Testament and we see Nicodemus, who is a New Testament uh, Naaman. And he has come to Jesus uh, uh, to ask for help from Jesus. Like, like Naaman, who sought out prophet Elisha, Nicodemus sought out Jesus. Now Nicodemus wanted to know how to, to do. Again, like Naaman, he thought there must be a doing to get. Listen to what he says to Jesus in John chapter 3 and verse 2. He says, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So he's talking about doing that. How do I do? What do I do to be able to do what you do? But when Jesus would answer this man, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, unless a man be born again. He cannot enter, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus immediately starts to say, it's not about doing, it's about being. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? It's not about doing, it's about being. Jesus is saying uh, it's not about doing, it's about uh, uh, being. It's not doing to be, it is being to do. Did you hear me what I said? It's not about doing to be, it's about being to do. That's why Ephesians in chapter 2 says that we are saved by grace and uh, 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 through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his, his, his workmanship created unto good works. It's not that we're not meant to do good works, but we first of all accept and be, and then the good works naturally flow out of our being. Tell your neighbor, you've got to be first. You've got to be first. You are a human being, not a human doing. Be. You've got to be first. And, and the reason that this is so important is because every attempt to do without first being is actually self-righteousness. It's you trying to earn what has been freely given. Oh, that you would get this. This is, this is the heart of the gospel. Accept what has been done for you and then be. This was, this was, this was the, the error right at the beginning. God made man in his image and his likeness, right? And then Eve is in a conversation with the enemy, and the enemy says that, well, you know, if you do this, you'll become like God. But because she didn't know she was already it, she now attempted to do something to become what she already was. So essentially, Satan was selling her her own future, uh, furniture. When you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you become impervious to deception. Every time you don't understand your identity, you become vulnerable to the deceptions of the enemy. Somebody shout amen. amen. So Jesus says it's about being. In fact, Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus goes further because Jesus' conversation is trying to go to the root of the issue. And he's telling you that the root of the issue is now not about what you are doing, it's about who you are. 
You are doing what you are doing because of who you are. <laughs> Woo! Sin is first of all a nature before it's an act. So it's, that's why Jesus goes to the root and said that if you are going to change, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. Because what that means is what he's saying is that you were born the wrong way first time around. David puts it this way in the book of Psalms and chapter 51. He says that in iniquity was I uh, um, formed and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, David was speaking specifically about himself. Theologians will tell you that what was happening here was that David was actually an illegitimate child, although there are no illegitimate children, if you understand what I'm talking about. He was born outside of wedlock, so this is why he's talking about himself. But even though he's talking about himself, he's actually talking about every one of us, that outside of Christ, we are uh, brought forth in iniquity and in sin where we conceived. We are all born with iniquity and sin, leprous sin was already in our DNA. Who teaches a child to lie? Child goes and takes the cookie that everybody said that the, the, the parents said she, he, he or she should not take. And then parents come in and say, why did you take it? Did you take that cookie? And with crumbs still around his mouth, say, no, 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 I did not take it. You don't need to be taught. It's just natural. It's human nature. We were all born that way, and that's why we must be born again. I know there's so much debate in the day we live to, the world we live in today, where people are debating that our behavior and our proclivities, how much of it is genetic, and how much is environmental, how much is nature, and how much is nurture. This is the question of the ages. Um, and I know that the reason for the, the argument has become so intense in the day that we're living in is that we think that if we are born a particular way, that absolves us of any form of responsibility about our actions or our proclivities because I was born that way, so leave me alone. And I actually want to agree with you, we were all born that way. But that's why we need to be born again. And Jesus goes to the heart of the matter when he says that we've got to be born again. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you must be born again. You must be before you can do. It's not about doing first, it's about becoming. It's about being. Religion says do to earn salvation. Christ says accept what I have done for you and then be it. Be born again. You can be born again. Nicodemus found it so hard to grasp this. So he, he starts to say that how can this be? How do I, who I am, who is already old, go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says, you're missing the whole point. I'm not talking about natural birth. I'm talking about a supernatural and spiritual birth. Be born again. Nicodemus couldn't get his head around it. Jesus goes on to explain further, but for the spiritually undiscerning, he was getting more confused when he says that you have to be born of the Spirit and of water to be able to enter. He says, you haven't made it any clearer, Jesus. What does he mean? 
He means accepting the sacrifice that has been made for you and then renewing your mind constantly to that sacrifice, to what has been done. I think it was last week Sunday that I talked to you about this same verse of Scripture, and I told you that it says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, all things are passed away, all things have become new. So I told you that in that instant that you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, in your spirit, you became a new creation. Everything became new. Everything became of God in that instant. But you're going to spend the rest of your life decoding what happened in an instant. That's why it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewal of your mind. Renewing your mind to the reality of what took place supernaturally and spiritually. This is why also the book of Ephesians talks about the washing of water with the word. So you are using the word of God to baptize your mind, if you like. To agree with what has taken place in your spirit. Hallelujah. The Jordan. Naaman was told to be baptized in the Jordan. He went there, he was baptized. He became a new, new creation, if you like. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. He who did not need to be baptized chose to be baptized for, as an example for us as an outward expression of an inward reality. The Greek word for baptism is baptismo, which means to immerse or to submerge. And this is very important. I know that there are certain Christian cultures that say all you need to do with baptism is, is sprinkle and all of that. We are not of that custom. Because when we read the Bible, we see that all the baptisms we see in the Bible, there were no sprinklings. All the baptisms that we see in the Bible was a full immersion and then an emergence. A full submersion and then a, an immersion. And this emergence, why is this important? Because it was an outward depiction of something that has happened spiritually, internally. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, spiritually in that instant, the old man was buried and died. And a new man was born, recreated in the image of Christ. You hear me what I'm saying? When Jesus died on the cross, he died our death. When he was buried, we were actually buried with him. When he rose from the dead, he did not come back alone. He, we rose up with him spiritually. This is what happened supernaturally and spiritually. The baptismal act is an outward display of something that has happened inwardly. And that's why we say you, we have to ascertain. Pastor Chris has done a good job with this, talking to every one of the candidates. So make sure that you are truly already born again, that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you come and be baptized here, you just went for a dip in water. You went swimming. Because the internal has to have taken place before we do the external. The external is an, a, a strong evangelical testimony. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. 
Hallelujah. It is it's no longer the secret in the night Nicodemus disciple. No, this is the public. This is what I have chosen. This is what I have known. I have chosen Jesus. I'm going to follow him all the days of my, of my life. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Do I have any followers of Jesus under the sound of my voice in this house? Hallelujah. Amen. Buried and then emergence as a new person, as a new me, not the old me. Hallelujah. You have to be immersed, submerged to be able to emerge. Uh, my admonition to every single one of us here is that we be baptized. Somebody saying, but I'm already baptized. I've been baptized, so what are you talking about? There's a baptism of every single one of us. I don't think that baptism actually ends with the physical immersion in water. I believe that you have to constantly be immersed in the Word of God. The washing of water with the word. You have to be immersed. You have to be submerged to emerge. Maybe be, the reason you haven't emerged, maybe the reason the new you hasn't emerged, maybe the reason the new you isn't seen by the word is because you have not fully immersed in the word, in the water of the word. You have not renewed your mind. Therefore, you can't live the transformed life. So even this morning, you need to be saying, Lord, I want to be immersed. Help me to be immersed in new creation realities, in the finished work, in your word, so that the new me might emerge. The great anomaly and challenge of believers today is that internally we are new, but externally we are living contradictions. And the reason that we are living contradictions externally is because of the lack of immersion in the Word. So it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's a conundrum, it's a, it's, a, it's a conflict, it's a contradiction. Have you met believers that are, are, are worse sinners than sinners? Hello, am I talking to anybody? Are you wondering that? You know, my, my wife struggles with this, you know. She, that, that person says he's born again. And he did this, did that, did that, and he's born again. I said, yes, he's born again. He said that, no, Pastor, tell me. How can he be born again? I said, he's just a carnal believer. It doesn't mean he, I said, what does he mean to be born again? She still struggles. When we're having conversations about it, she still struggles. I said, what does it mean to be born again according to the word of God? What does it mean? Except Jesus Christ. Accept Jesus Christ. Yeah? If you accept, you are born again. So, if he has accepted, what is he? Born again. She says, ah, but the way he is living, <laughs> the way he is displaying himself, is that born again? I said, 
you can't struggle with scripture. The scripture says that that's what it means to be born again. So please, can you explain his behavior? I say he hasn't renewed his mind. In the spirit, he's born again. But in every other area that makes sense to us on this terrestrial plane, he's not. And why? Because he hasn't been immersed because he hasn't renewed his mind, and he's not constant, constantly re renewing his mind. Listen, even Paul, the great apostle Paul, he talks about a constant battle happening within him. With one part of him, he wants to serve God, but another part of him wants to do something else. But he chooses, if you read on, he's not giving you uh, 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 an escape route that, well, that's the reality of life, so just continue. He says, shall we continue in sin, that grace might abound? God forbid! He now says that to be carnally minded is, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What he's saying, therefore, is that if you will renew your mind, if you will keep, put your mind back on the Word of God, if you put your mind back onto the finished work, if you realize what has been done eternally, then you will start being able to live it out externally. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we give you the glory. Father, we give you the praise. The price has been paid. Christ has reconciled the world unto himself, unto God, through his sacrifice. That's the gospel. What's our part in it to accept? All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. We can't earn it. We can only receive it. Father, we bless you. Father, we give you the glory, we give you the praise. Somebody go ahead and just start to bless the Lord even right now. Just go ahead and start to bless the Lord right now. Just start to bless him. Thank him for the price that has been paid. Thank him for giving his life. Thank him for the sacrifice. Just go ahead and bless the Lord even this Sunday. Bless his holy name. Father, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. Come on, come on, come on. Go ahead and just bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you for dying my death. I was buried with you and therefore I am risen with you. Lord, I give you the glory, I give you the praise. Oh, come on, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord in this place. Bless the Lord in this place. Give him the glory, give him the worship. Come on, come on, come on. Father, we bless you. Thank you. Thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you, Lord. You've done all the work. You've done all the heavy lifting. My own job is to receive it, to accept it. Hallelujah. To believe it. I believe. I believe. I believe. Thank you, Lord. Now with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, we have to give the opportunity of this moment to somebody that has not done the etern internal somebody that has not yet surrendered their life to Christ Jesus, whether online or in person in this hall today. This is your opportunity to receive that which has been done for you.
to accept that which has been done for you. Do not neglect so great a day of salvation. So if you are out there today, whether in person or online, and you want to surrender your life to Christ Jesus with the support of the congregation, please repeat these words of prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you for giving me new life. Thank you for taking my place, for dying my death, that I might be buried with you and raised up with you. Thank you. Today, I repent of my sin and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart and I have made this confession with my mouth. Therefore, by faith, I am born again. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! Somebody go ahead and give God the praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen and amen. If you indeed just prayed that prayer, whether online or in person, you are born again, and we are so elated and excited to receive you into the body of Christ. Um, we want to help you to grow from being a child of God to becoming a mature son of God. So please direct message us on any of our platforms, and we will get in touch with you and help you in the journey of growth. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.